time, what the season is all about for you. Every one of us look at it from a different vantage point. Every one of us have different emotions and different feelings that come with this particular time of the year. For many of us, who are, if you're like me, it's a time of reflection, a time to look in or with look around or look up. This morning, if you take out your sermon notes, you will notice that all the questions most often are written from the context of reflection. Some of the things maybe as God is saying to you or will be saying to you or maybe you want him to say to you. But in your bulletin this morning or sermon notes, it kind of picks up where we've been over the last few weeks as we began our Christmas series. First looking at it backstage at Christmas as Pastor Ted peeled back the curtain of Philippians chapter 2 and let us look for a few moments what it was like for God and Christ to prepare for this incredible gift of redemption that God offers us gift that has been planned since the beginning of time. Last Sunday morning we took it a little bit further and went behind the scenes as to examine some of the characters of Christmas and some of the things they may say to us, some character traits maybe that we want to emulate and others we want to ignore or avoid. And that's where we were last Sunday morning as we left off on our journey. And I've given you some questions just to reflect on and some ways that you can maybe stop for a few moments somewhere along the way in your Christmas experience throughout this week. And really be honest with yourself and honest about the circumstances and situations and honestly answer them. We began to look at all of them that are involved at this particular time of the year. And on Wednesday or Thursday or Friday night, on Christmas Eve, when we gather together for the Christmas Eve, Eve service, we will focus our attention on the central character of what the season is all about, and that is Christ Jesus our Lord. Again, last Sunday morning with Gabriel, the messenger, and I simply ask at the end, who is it that God is leading you to this year? That maybe for the fifth time or the first time or the twelfth time, you want to share with them the Christmas story, something that's changed your life, or maybe a way God has changed your life or has spoken to you over the last year or so, and you really feel led to share with them this year what God has done in your life, or maybe something they're going through or something they're experiencing will be that door that God has opened to give you the opportunity to share with them. We've made it a little easier this year, and outside the center doors on a table to my left, when you walk out the door to your left, as you walk out are small DVDs. They are the Jesus story. It's a remake of the one done by Campus Crusade years ago, and it's a, it's a great tool for you to utilize to give to someone, maybe that has heard the story before, but you're not sure where they're at, or maybe they just want to see it again from another vantage point. And it's a great resource, a great tool for you to use and being able to make that bridge there so that you can share with them what you have found in Christ. And it will certainly open up a conversation that you may not have been able to do before, but if you give it to them and then say, let me know what you think about it, it'll be a great conversation story. And there are there at least 400 of them out there for you to take one this morning. And maybe there's a particular individual from last week or maybe even now or at the end of the day that God's laying on your heart that you're saying to yourself, that's the one I really want to share with this year. Maybe it's in your neighborhood, maybe in your family, maybe where you work. But who is that that God's laying on your heart that you want to talk to? We began our, continued our journey in Joseph and talked about his belief in Mary and that sometimes I often wonder when I read this text if Joseph believed the message of the angel or more believing in Mary be honest with you, wonder if he believes more in Mary, because the message is absolutely absurd from a human vantage point, 
that all of this has taken place. But you look at his relationship with her and what he chooses to do with her, and you find yourself saying, this man has an incredible belief in someone that he's fallen in love with. And I ask you to evaluate your own relationship with your mate. Do you believe in them that much? If you have somebody in your life who believes in you that much, I hope you take the opportunity maybe in a Christmas note to say, hey, I just wanted you to know that I've really appreciated what I know you've seen in me, how much you've believed in me. And even in the midst of a lot of uncertainty, you were there when maybe no one else was. And I just want to say thank you to that. Also, maybe God has placed some in your, in your life that needs someone to believe in, and I trust you've taken advantage to, the, to do that as well. The thing that stood out to me about Mary, as I said last Sunday morning, was her age. 14, 15, 16-year-old girl, theologians differ on her age. But to have this kind of faith, to be able to make the classic statement of all, Lord, whatever you do, that's fine with me. I'm intrigued by a young person who has that depth in their relationship with God and that amazing amount of confidence in their relationship with God to be able to say that when me at 57 sometimes wants God to reveal things a little bit more, maybe lift the curtain up a little bit so that I can see what's taking place because I want to know a little bit of the why, the what, the who, and the when. Maybe you're like that, maybe you're not, but I'm fascinated by people who have this amount of faith. Last night, as I was going over the notes, I thought of a girl named Amelia, 18-year-old girl who's been going through incredibly difficult physical issues. I've known her for literally 14 years, so I've known her since she was four. But to see where she's at right now and to see what God is seeming to, seemingly to allow to happen in her life, I, to be honest with you, don't understand. I've prayed over her so many times. And yet when I talked to her a couple of weeks ago, I visited her in the hospital and I said something about texting back and forth and she was surprised that I text. <laughs> like what, we don't know how at our age or we don't know how to spell, I'm not sure the why. She was so surprised and from that moment on, we've been texting pretty rapidly back and forth. Usually she'll ask me three questions before I can respond to the first one, but a little slow. And last night I thought of her and I said, do you, do you give me permission to at least share your first name this morning? Because you fascinate me when I look at Mary at this age and you at your age. And your amazing amount of trust in God with what doctors don't even know the why. And yet she's been in and out of the hospital for months. Missed her senior year, couldn't finish, couldn't graduate, couldn't go to school this fall. And her smile and her zest and her passion for God are intriguing. And so it's not only biblical characters that I look at every once in a while and I see their amazing faith. There are people that God places all around us who have incredible faith and unbelievable death that doesn't always correspond with age. It should. The older we get, the more passionate for God we ought to be, the more deeper or the more the, that our depth ought to be revealed. And many times it does happen. I've been around some 80-year-olds who fascinate me with all the things that God has taught them. And I've been around some 18-year-olds who are amazing and could teach a lot of us some lessons about faith and confidence in God with things I don't understand. Next character that I want to explore this morning is Elizabeth, the encourager. Her story is found in Luke chapter 1. She's Mary's relative. Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 39. It's a familiar section of Scripture to you. Out of that flows the Magnificat, Mary's response to the entire circumstance and her confidence in God is revealed in this powerful chapter, but I just want to read a few verses with you this morning out of Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 39, and I'll conclude at 45. 
At that time, Mary got ready after knowing all that was taking place near the end of her pregnancy at some point, got ready and hurried to a town in the hill of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Elizabeth and Zechariah happened to be the parents of John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, that baby being John the Baptist, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you bear. Why am I so favored? The mother of my Lord should come to me. As soon as the sound of her greeting reached my ears, <coughs> the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. What stood out to me, as I said to you last Sunday morning, when I look at characters and want to learn some things from them and discern what I can take with me and what I want to avoid, what stands out to me is when Mary learns of her situations, one of the first people she runs to is a family member. Now think about your circumstances for a moment. If you go through deep waters or going through difficult time, very few will ever go through a circumstance like Mary, but when you go through a difficult time and you really don't know where to turn or who to turn to, who do you most likely run to? Who in your world is the one that you know is your rock in the midst of all the things around you that are uncertain? It may be a family member, in this case being in that real situation for Mary. Hopefully it's a member of the family of God. Somebody that when your world is turned upside down, don't understand why you're going through what you go through. You have those people in your life that you know you can go to. Who are your rocks in the midst of your own uncertainty? You know and I know that family can be incredibly supportive and sometimes your worst nightmare. Over the next few weeks, most of us will spend at some point or the other a certain amount of time with our family. And for some of us, we absolutely enjoy that time and look forward to it more than at any other time of the year. And some of us, if we're honest, know it's something we have to endure as opposed to enjoy. What I'd love for you to do this Christmas season, as you know, at some point or the other, I think I read a statistic that 94 to 96% of us at some point or the other over the Christmas season will spend some time with family. Think about your family relationships and that one or two persons in your life that you know you're going to have some time with, that maybe, again, God's leading you to to encourage them, or maybe they'll encourage you, but more specifically, who in your life has God placed in your family relationships that need the answers you found in Christ? Family can be incredibly receptive or very resistant, depending on where you are in your relationship with them and the opportunity. Many of us who come from a family who are not believers find ourselves in that situation is not always sure what to do. We don't know how to respond to them. We don't know how to uh, relate to them. But I really, I'd really encourage you this Christmas season to walk into that family gathering saying, God, is there somebody in this family that I can be an encouragement to this year? I have a, I have a relationship with you. I, I love you. And, and I want them to have what I have found in you. And this may be the year that God uses you in your family connection not church family connection, but in your real family connection to share with them what you have found in Jesus. And I hope you really do go into it with your eyes wide open. Some of us do look forward to our family gathering, and some of us wish we didn't have to do it. But I'd love for you to go into it this Christmas season with eyes wide open, determining who in your family is the one that you either enjoy the most, want to be around the most, or somebody in your family that many times you'd ignore, but you really want to make sure that they understand what you've found in Christ.
I, I deeply love the time that I'm able to spend with my brother. Most of it's on a phone. One of the things that intrigued me about him when I, here's a, here's a kid who barely graduated high school who I'm sure they just simply said, go ahead and go. It's a whole lot easier than what we had to deal with during this particular time span. Who was my biggest cheerleader when I accomplished certain things in life? Who could have been the one that was the most jealous? You know, you all have seen Everybody Loves Raymond, I'm sure, at one point or the other, where the older brother, Robert, is so jealous of Raymond because everybody loves Raymond. And you already, I'm sure, have family members maybe like that who don't always celebrate your accomplishments, but I absolutely am intrigued by this guy who hasn't had near as many but just celebrates every single accomplishment that I'm able to enjoy. And every time we talk, even last night, I just want to always remind him of how much I love what he does, who he is, and the relationship that we have. You have them in your life. Many of them are in your family. Sometimes it's a great opportunity for you as believers to share with them what you have found. The other thing that intrigues me about Elizabeth is that Mary knew that she could find support. And sometimes when you're going through things that you don't understand or you're dealing with a situation in your family, your marriage, that you, that you want support of, family is the ones either you run to or you run from. And Mary found it in her. And there are family members in your world who I hope have been able to know that they can always run to you to find support, strength, and encouragement, and that you'll be there for them, no matter what they're going through. You need to understand that even though you may not always agree with their decisions, and many times you won't, God still gives us an opportunity to show them amazing love. And sometimes we have, an op we have a hard time separating the lack of agreement with some of the decisions they've made for an unconditional love that doesn't change. And whenever we remember what God has done for us and how much even while we were sinners he loved us and died for us and came into the world to redeem us and rescue us even when we were turning our back on him. It makes it easier for us to do that with people in our family relationships who are going through difficult times. The shepherds to me stand out in Luke chapter 2 because they're ordinary people. The story is again found in Luke chapter 2. We'll read it again on Friday night. We gather together at Christmas Eve service. It fascinates me when you examine the story to find that God chooses to declare the message of his son's birth to ordinary shepherds. After everything settled down, I'd love to have gone to these guys at some point or the other and say to them, would you have ever believed in a million years that you would have been the ones that the angels would have chosen to come to and to share with you the greatest message in the history of the world? All through biblical history, God continually comes to ordinary people asking them to partner with him in the adventure of a lifetime. So often I've heard people say, God couldn't use me. He wouldn't want me. I'm too ordinary. I don't have extraordinary gifts. I, I don't know how God's going to use what I have. And, and I love that because, to be honest with you, God delights me get to that point of realizing that we don't have it all together and we don't know it all. Because I find so often that God loves to take ordinary people of the world and do extraordinary things through them. The Apostle Paul says in Corinthians that God delights in taking the weak things of the world that confound the strong. Never underestimate God's ability to use you, no matter how ordinary you may feel you are. Our sermon notes this morning, I ask you that reflective question again. What is it that you're going through, or what is it that you sense God's asking you to do that maybe you feel unqualified to do? 
But when you go back and look at the story again and recognize it from God's vantage point, maybe this is the time to step up and say, God, I don't get it, I don't understand, but I really sense this is what you're asking me to do or the risk you're asking me to take, and, and I'm willing to do that. I don't feel like I'm qualified in a lot of respects to do that, but I'm willing to take the risk because I sense you're leading me in that direction. So many people stay away from God on the other side because he's too complicated. To me, this whole story of what you see in the shepherds and the wise men show us how uncomplicated God is. The magi, or the wise men as we most often call them, were seekers of the truth who went a long way for a long direction in a, in a very specific journey and to find out who Christ was. The amazing thing about the shepherds and the magi is how God communicated to them in a way they could understand. Shepherds were fascinated by, fascinated by angelic appearances and magi were constantly exploring the stars. Which says to me that God speaks our language. There are a lot of people searching for the answers to life and the journey of the magi led them on, a, on, on quite a distance and there are a lot of people who find themselves going a long way to find out what truth really is when it's in front of them all the time. A lot of people on this desperate search for the meaning of life, trying everything they possibly can only to come up empty. There'll be some sitting in our audience this morning and some sitting in our audience on Friday night, not only here, maybe in a lot of other churches around the world, who come searching for answers and come because it's a traditional time when I come to a Christmas Eve service, even though I may not always come or don't frequently frequent a church. They'll sit here on a Friday night or sit in another context on a Friday night and, and I really pray that for the first time in this desperate search for truth, only to come up empty, that they will find this is the year when they recognize the truth's been in front of them all the time. And God maybe has led them on a long journey, or maybe they led themselves on a long journey to find it, but my prayer is that this year they find what they've been looking for because it's in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. The innkeeper in Luke chapter 2 is a classic example of Someone who's too busy to notice what's going on around them. In Luke chapter 2, verse 7, it says, She gave birth to a son, her firstborn. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room available for them in the inn. Too preoccupied with other things and missed the opportunity for a lifetime with what was going on right in front of him. Even from a business standpoint, he missed it. You know that famous saying, so-and-so slept here? I mean, this man could have had a sign outside saying, the Son of God was born here. <coughs> Certainly not unlike a lot of people who get too preoccupied with the issues of life. Most of them, if we're really honest, pretty, mon <laughs> pretty mundane and miss some of the most important events of life. How many times have you either said or heard someone say, if I'd only known... Watch how fast your kids grow up and realize how many important things you miss because we're too busy or too preoccupied with other things. During the rush of the Christmas season, it's so easy to miss some amazing moments. I've actually heard people say, I can't wait for the Christmas season to be over so I can get back to the normal part of life, and I kind of doubt if that's what God meant by the whole event. <clears throat> what has the tendency in your sermon notes to preoccupy you or to keep you so busy that you miss the season? Sometimes it is shopping. Sometimes it's the preparation of that Martha Stewart meal or whatever it is that you measure yourself against. Okay, Martha Stewart was in jail, so maybe that's not a good example. <laughs> but that Martha Stewart meal or whatever it may be, that, that you want to be perfect 
and you get so preoccupied with the events going on this weekend that you miss just some incredible moments with your kids or your family or some friends that God brings in and out of your life, most of whom will miss the perfection and really are dying for the relationship. Who is it that God has brought into your life this year that just wants to spend some time with you and is not interested in everything looking perfect? One of my favorite verses about Mary is found in Luke 2.19. It says, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Over the next few days in a quiet morning or quiet evening before you go to bed, I'd love for you to jot down in the notes, what is it you treasure most? What is it you ponder? What causes you reflection at this time of the year? I'm a, I'm a reflector. The older I get, the more I reflect. But what is it that you enjoy? What is it you ponder? What do you treasure most? about this season? What brings you the most joy in the process? The angels, to me, stand out as well as those who celebrate His coming. And as I ask this question, it's one that stands out to me as well as to what preoccupies our thoughts sometimes in the experience of worship. When everything around us may not be the song I know or the situation that I'm most comfortable with or the song that I find is my favorite, but there are a lot of things sometimes if we're not careful that really preoccupy our attention and keep us away from just this experience of adoration and worship. Spending some time either throughout the day or throughout this week or whether you're listening to 3WS or Wish or whatever it may be where it's Christmas music 24-7 or maybe it's on Friday night when you gather together with your family or later after the service is over and you go home to be with your family or Christmas morning when you wake up. So often we celebrate the nostalgia of Christmas as opposed to the genuine message of Christmas. Nothing wrong with the nostalgia at all. I'm more nostalgic than anybody I know in my family. But so often we celebrate that and, and find ourselves focusing on that more than just the event and all the things that God unfolds as he shares with us this unbelievable story of the rescue of humanity. God so loved this world, recognizing our condition and our needs, came and redeemed us and set us free and offers us forgiveness and grace and relationships and opportunity to start all over again and eternal life, all because of what this week is all about. And so I trust that it's a week of reflection, a week that you enjoy to the fullest. They don't get preoccupied with the wrong things until you miss the central thing and that you find yourself in situations where you end up being the encourager, the one who goes the second mile with the individual in your family or in your sphere of influence who needs to find what you have found in Christ. And when you look at it, when it's all said and done a week from now, and you're reflecting on what the week has been or the season has been or the event has been or Friday or Saturday has been, you will have said, this has been one of the greatest Christmases I've ever shared. I hope it's true for you. Father, we thank you for your amazing love and grace and for the opportunity we have as a family to celebrate this gift of love and grace and life. A lot of people over the next few weeks are going to flood in and out of our lives. They may be at work, they could be at, at home, they could be in our neighborhood. Many of them will be in our family relationships because so many of us will spend some time with them this weekend. And so I ask that as we did last Sunday morning that you will allow us to go out into this week with our eyes wide open and to recognize the opportunities that you're presenting for us and you're laying right in front of us. 
maybe we've had before and didn't take advantage of, but maybe this is the year we do. And so, Father, I just ask in the name of Jesus that you really will allow us who believe in you, who know that you're the truth and the answers to life, to walk through this week with eyes really wide open and looking for those opportunities where we can be the encourager in someone else's life or the family member who brings joy to an otherwise upside-down family, to the family member who really needs somebody to believe in them, to the friend in that sphere of influence to, who needs to find what we have found in Jesus. And so, Father, we just lay this whole week before you, these next seven or eight days, help to be one of those weeks where we really are able to look back on it and know that we have been allowed by you to change somebody's life forever. And so, Father, speak to us in just these quiet few moments of reflection on who that may be or in what situation you may be leading us to so that we can be used by you. So, Holy Spirit of God, would you speak loud and clear right now as to what it is you want us to do with the weakness in front of us and who you want to lead us to. May we be obedient to what the Spirit of God says, and we will do. In the name of Christ Jesus, we pray.